Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Uh, moving towards the issue of hypocrisy in this world where the Bible says the last days there will be greater and greater imposters, greater and greater liars. Um, as we see celebrities and the movies and all that, the, the, the things that we live for, there's a bunch of lies. There's no truth behind that lifestyle. And it has always been an issue from day one that man was deceived. The Bible says that that Adam and Eve were deceived and, and moved out of their relationship with God and into a, a, a falling out. But this has always been the case throughout biblical history, and it is from the beginning of creation at the garden, and it also is in the last days, the Bible says that many shall rise up and, and be, there will be a lot of movement. The word in the Bible that deals with things real, things approved, is dokimos. Dokimos is a Greek word which says it's approved, it's the real thing. I don't know what you to do to test things, uh, but you, you want to be found in a, an ability to judge. Um, I was talking to a man yesterday who went to a restaurant and he was given some real bad fish. And he felt that they, they were trying to poison him, and he got very angry. And the ability for the girl that was there to, to smell and, and, and find out that it was rotten fish, he would have gotten real sick, so he was able to return it on time. Well, that's just a meal. Um, spiritual life is all the more important. The opposite of dokimos, which is a Greek word, we're going to get into where that, that is, is a dokimos, which is like the anti Christ, Antichrist, Dokimos, a Dokimos, and uh, a Dokimos or a Dokimos is not approved, not good standing. If I were to give you a fake hundred dollar bill and and hand it to you, and you say, you know something, Pastor, thank you very much, but this is not real. This is counterfeit. That's a Dokimos. And in the old times, it was very important to know the difference. So 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible deals with this throughout. The Bible deals with the issue of real and fake, genuine and false. And so it says here in 1 John 4, 1, he says, Dear friends, don't believe every spirit, but dokimos the spirits. Approve, that's that word, test, examine, check it out. Whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone into the world. One of the exercises for someone mature is to find out the difference between real and fake. And that is in maturity, those men, even amongst the Greeks, that knew not to enter into counterfeit uh, money were called dokimos. 
an expert in examining that which is real. I, I'll frankly tell you that, that when we started this series, we're examining the world and, and spirituality and faith and the things of God. But the truth is, the more we pour into this information, I found myself concerned about my reality. How can, forget about examining the fake guy, I want to make sure that I'm not fake that I'm real, that I'm found in Christ. I, I, I want to make sure that my faith is genuine, that my worship pleases the Father. And so a lot of us will have the, will be, will have the big magnifying glass and we're checking things out to see if they're real or counterfeit. And I've, I've come to the place now where I say, you know something, the truth is I need to examine me. I need to find out that I am doing what, before God is right and that I'm not living self-deception. So this was the concern of those who followed God in the New Testament. Philippians 1.10, Paul writes to the Philippians and says, so that you might be able to dokimos, there's that word again, so that you might be able to dokimos the things that are excellent, that you might approve, that's the same word, it's the Greek word, it's all throughout the New Testament. There's a dokimos, false, not approved, not genuine, and dokimos, that which is approved. That you might know the things that are excellent. That you might be sincere. There it is. That you not walk in hypocrisy. That you not have fanfare that is not the real you. And that, that way you might stand without anything to keep you away on the day you stand before Christ. This is what he's writing to the Philippians. In other words, are you real? Are you being genuine? Are you walking in such a way that it will be approved? Uh, you approve those things that are best. Um, those that, that teach on excellence will always say that good things are the enemies of the excellent. You say, well, I'm not too bad. Well, that's not the standard, that you not be too bad. The standard is that you rise above good and you're hitting the excellent mark. That God desires you be the full expression of excellence in everything you do. What is that excellence? Being sincere. Being sincere. We said sincere is without wax. The Greek term of not having cracks in the marble. 1 Thessalonians 5.21. In order to get to that place, we need to document all things. Test. Approve. Dokimos all things. Put your scanner in every area of your life so that you are able to grab that which is good as opposed to not testing things and grabbing that which is bad. And so uh, I have had the opportunity in our community. I, I think not many communities are as blessed as the Miami community to have so many weird people living in our community. And so we've seen it all. We've, we, we were what that community that enjoyed having the Antichrist live in our neighborhood and the man who said he was Jesus incarnate. And, and so a whole bunch of people were attending his church. They even branded themselves with tattoos of the 666. So some things like that are easy to detect that they're frauds and they're they're evil and they're wicked, but, but there are things that are not so easy. So 
I'm not so concerned about, because I, I said it at one time, I don't think he is as crazy as the people that go there and sit down and listen to him. Those people are really nuts. Forget about the guy who says he's the Antichrist and Jesus Christ incarnate and the Messiah. That doesn't concern me. What concerns me is the people that were sitting in front of him saying, Amen! Hallelujah! Amen! And going out to get their, their, their tattoo, their, their 666. The travesty of his daughter going out to get that is, is just unheard of craziness. That a man would take his whole family to hell. So I'm not concerned about wackos and crazy people as I was when I started the series with respect to find out the genuine and the real. My concern is 2 Corinthians 13.5 where Paul says each one of us should examine himself. Now, th this is where it gets really powerful. It's no longer your pastor trying to tell you that you're out of order or that you have missed the mark or that you're walking contrary to truth the biblical pattern of men of God had the capacity to be at the level of maturity to examine themselves to see if they were being genuine and so Paul says examine yourself as to see whether you are in the faith uh, dokimos yourselves he says it again examine and then test Find out if you're the weight. Remember that this term, dokimos and adokimos, was that which was used to find out if the currency was true. If the, if the money was counterfeit, did it have value? Did it have worth? Was it going to be able to pass the muster, the test? Do you know, not know yourselves that Christ is in you? Find out if, in fact, there is a relationship with with Christ being in you, unless you are a dokimos, disqualified, not approved. So while we were, in the first couple of weeks here, we were, uh, and we still are, we're, we're still finishing, we haven't finished, uh, pressing into these matters, now we're here tonight on a world-changing examination. And the, the greatest world-changing examination is... To know whether we ourselves are walking in such a manner that is approved, dokimos, excellent, real, sincere, absolute expression of love. And then he, he says in verse 6, I trust that you know that we are not a dokimos. Paul is telling the church in Corinth, I know that when you guys have come to test us, You've seen our life, you've seen our devotion, you've seen the reality of our walk, and you know we're not playing games. And so here he's asking the church in Corinth, test your own sincerity. Test your own sincerity. We have become an expert many times judging others' motivation, judging others' actions, judging whether people did the right thing or the wrong thing, and we very seldom have an introspection of finding out like that man who came in here upset that his wife is cheating on him, but then he doesn't know that his character is severely flawed as he's presently living at his girlfriend's house. And so a lot of times we are 
have a total inability to look at what we're doing and we're quick to uh, hold other people. I, I see that in Galatians 2 verse 11 that Paul was zealous about the reality of Christ. And he says in Galatians 2 that his experience having come to the Lord when he got to know Peter. You guys know Peter, right? The Apostle Peter. This is Paul writing to the Galatians. He says, I'm going to give you an example of what I'm talking about. When I got to meet Peter, I saw Peter living in a hypocritical manner. And he says, and I withstood him to his face. I, he, Paul went up to Peter and says, you know something? What you're doing is not dokimos. It's not real. It's not genuine. You're living a double life. You're being hypocritical because he was to blame. He was responsible. So when Paul told Peter, come here, I need to talk to you. Verse 12. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself from the Gentiles, fearing those that were Jewish from the circumcision. So Peter would be with the Gentiles and he would eat and be a normal Christian. And then when he saw the Jewish Christian come in, he's like, oh, I can't hang out with the Gentiles. Let me, let me go. In verse 13, it says, and the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him. They were living things that were not genuine and true. So that even Barnabas, another fellow, was carried away with their hypocrisy. This is... This, we were talking about Daniel at the men's meeting. We said Daniel was a man struggling with the visions and dreams he was having. He didn't understand them. So we're also struggling with how God is calling us into these things. But these are the, these are the experts. These are the apostles. And they're having issues of genuineness and reality. And Paul is saying, look, um, Peter was acting hypocritical because when he was with the Gentile, the non-Jewish Christians, he would be friendly and eat with them. When he saw the Jewish Christians come in, he would separate like saying they're not. And so he says, you can't be living a life that is not above board and, and you're doing something that is not right. And so he withstood him to such an extent that even uh, Barnabas was carried away with the hypocrisy. Verse 14, but when I saw that they were not straightforward... When I saw they were not dokimos, when they weren't being real as Christians, they weren't being who God had called them about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of the Gentiles and not as Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as Jews? Why are you living a double, you know, when you're with worldly people, you're worldly. When you're with Christians, you're Christian. Why are you doing that? What, what is going on? There has to be something that's not real. And this was the challenge that they had. Verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. You don't have to impress the Jews, but by faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed that in Christ, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. You can't be playing these games. So constantly, this is in the New Testament, they're seeking genuineness. My friends, the only reason I've made it this far in Christianity is because I refuse to be around people that are acting religious. I refuse to be around people that have one lifestyle in front 
And then behind the scenes, they have another motivation, another scenario. So back in the Old Testament, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 40. Now this goes by hundreds of years before the New Testament. Uh, Jeremiah is saying, let us search out and examine our own ways. Where are you at? The, the most beautiful thing that I can think of is you coming clean to admit where you're at because that's where God will meet you and you tell God you know something I don't understand or I'm stuck or I need to be motivated or I need to be encouraged or God give me the strength and if you are real with God he'll be real with you and that's always been my joy to to tell God exactly where I'm at and even to confirm what I'm feeling as I search out my own heart is to confess it and share it with others. Because that's when it gets real, real. When you're able to admit. And that's where the devil doesn't want you to go. As long as you keep it in the occult and hidden and your fanfare and hypocrisy and you're behind the mask, you're a prisoner of that fake lifestyle, that adokimos. You're not legit. You have no value in your currency and spiritual matters you're not progressing and so he says let us search out and examine our ways and the greatest blessing is having the capacity to do that and not needing not requiring um, my conversation with Wellington Boone is Joaquin I'm old enough now at 63 where I cannot play games and I don't need anybody to be catching me or watching me I need to really come clear on who I am what I am and my reality I, I cannot be playing games and so a lot of people are waiting to get caught before they will turn but to be able to examine where you're at and to test to see if you're approved and real in your faith and and obviously, the end of our self-examination is to realize we need to get back to God. The reality, that's, that's our only hope, is getting back. So um, David was also an expert at self-examination in Psalm 119, verse 59. Uh, the, the other word that is similar to test and prove and examine is the word consider. Let us consider our ways. And in Psalm 119, verse 59, he says, I was considering about my ways. I was thinking, I was weighing myself on the balance. In, in, in the book of uh, Daniel, you see God weighed the king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, on the balance. And he says, brother, I've weighed you. And you have been found wanting. You're, you're, you're not where you need to be. And so God confronts him. He starts shaking and getting nervous. But how powerful it is for us to get on the weight and to look down over our belly and say, wow, a self-examination, self-reality. And so David says, I thought about my ways and I realized I needed to turn my steps to return to your statutes, to your truth, what your word says about me. I've considered um, the greatest examination is self-examination. The greatest deception is self-deception. I'm okay. There's nothing wrong with me. Everything's fine. 
And then I surround myself with people that tell me I'm a great guy. And the truth of the matter is, I need to get back to the Word of God, which is the mirror where I can see reality. And that's David. And he had a precious heart to be able to do that. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 26, verse 2. He says, God, can you x-ray me from head to toe? My thoughts, my heart, my steps, my words. Put them on the balance. And so he'll say there in Psalm 26, verse 2, examine me, O Lord. Test me. Try my mind and my heart to make sure that I'm in the place that I need to be. I want to measure myself up not to the pastor, not to the church, not to the leaders in the church. I want to find, and this is, this is reality is when we're at that place, we don't have time to look or think about anybody else. Those people that never come before the presence of God are the quickest to go, you're wrong, you're not, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Listen to me. If it wasn't for God, I'd be dead. If it wasn't for his mercies, I couldn't take another step. We couldn't be able to walk a step in the things of God had God not had mercy on us. So as we present ourselves before God to be examined, we fall super short. One of the men that was years ago, about five years ago, he says, you know something, I'm leaving the church because, and he was going to go like that, and he goes, I can't point a finger at you because I'm a thousand times worse than you. He tried. At that one second, you want to, you, how, if I'm not where I need to be, can I be quick on the draw to those people that surround me? Some people need to constantly be um, talking about Issues outside of themselves to justify their, what they continue to do. And so in this regard, Job 13.23, he says, How many are my iniquities and sins? Make known to me my rebellion and my sin. These prayers are the prayers that, that allow us to move forward in God's call for our lives. And everything else is just a stunted growth of an excuse to justify our backsliding. Let's read Job 13, verse 23. As we begin to take inventories on iniquities and sins and faults, how many are they? My falling short, my missing the mark. Lord, show me my transgressions and my sins. Because if I can see that, then I can have compassion and mercy on those that surround me. I can walk in such a way that I don't lose my joy. We can, we can be our worst enemies as we start uh, calling out the, the defects in those that are around us to then can cause us to just go far from where we need to be because we haven't looked in the mirror, because we haven't realized. Haggai, Haggai 1.6 says, um, they don't know what's going on with regards to their lack of prosperity and, and they don't know what's going on with regards to their blessing. The Lord says, you have sown much, you have thrown a lot of seeds on the ground, but you haven't reaped a lot. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but you're not warm. 
He who earns wages earns wages to put them in a bag with holes in it. Why aren't they prospering? Why aren't they blessed? Why don't they advance? Can, can we say that God is still dealing with issues? Or do we say, I don't need anything? There's nothing lacking. There's nothing wanting. So God says in verse 7, why don't you go and consider your ways? We used to do that with our children when they were smaller. We used to say, go into your room and think about what is going on. Go examine yourself. Because a lot of times we don't have the capacity to really examine whether or not we're living in a manner which allows our prosperity, our blessing. I could sit there and justify a million things. I remember when we wrote our book, Restoring the Gates That Prevail, um, and it got on national television, and John Hagee was preaching our book, and, and it was out there, and, and one, of, one of our men here at the church got so angry, and he, he was going out there to try and find out who was causing are not able to prosper to greater levels. This thing was being shown on television to 20 million people. And so they're like, why, why, isn't, why, isn't, why aren't we out there? Why don't people hear about our pastor and our church and what we're doing for God? And, and he, he got to, it got a little bit violent. And I called him over. I said, listen, this is not about men. We're not ready to where God wants to take us. God is still requiring of us to polish our character at a greater level. Because if you go around blaming others for where you're at or where you're not at, you're never going to get nowhere. And that's what's happening here in Haggai. As you're putting seeds and not growing, you're making money, it's not filling. Did you ever consider to think about your character? No, no, because it surely can't be me. Why would it be me? It has to be somebody else. It has to be that jerk who doesn't realize what a great man of God I am. No. No, God is confronting you and waiting upon you and polishing you. It has to be. has to be my wife why we don't have a good marriage. It's not. It's, you know, and he tells them directly in verse 7. Consider your ways. Do yourself... A great opportunity to examine, have a self-examination. I love Paul con constantly addresses this, not only in Galatians, not only to the Philippians, not only to the Thessalonians, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 13, he says, everyone's work will be examined. Each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed as it goes through fire. And the fire will dokimos each man's work of what sort it is. The weight of your reality, the weight of your experience will be tested soon enough. And each person's work will be tested to figure out whether, verse 12, you were building with gold Silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. The work of each man will be tested. If 
when examined, verse 15, when it's put under the test, it ends up suffering loss. He hasn't lost his salvation, but there was no authenticity in his walk and faith. First Peter chapter 1 7, Peter, now another of the ones that was uh, walking as a leader in the church, he says, listen, your life in faith, the genuineness, the reality, the dokimos of your faith being much more precious than gold, it's going to be tested by fire to find out if there's any praise, honor, and glory when Jesus Christ shows up or whether there's not really anything there. Are you... Is your Christianity ready to be tested? Some people says, if nothing goes wrong with my life, then I'll give my heart to the Lord. Well, guess what? What if you're put in a fiery oven and you say like this, even if I die, he's still God and I won't lose my relationship with him under any test. That's a real deal. That's genuine. That's real. I don't, I don't care what happens. And that's why uh, when I see different men going through different trials. I say, Lord, keep me from those trials. But I love how these men honor the God and their relationship and their faith and their walk with God, even under the testing of fire. Uh, one of these men is Job, chapter 23, verse 10. He knows the way that I'm walking. When he has tested me, he'll know that I am as real as gold. That means the testing the fire only makes me more precious because I'm real. I'm not going to burn up. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to throw the towel. He knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I'm the real thing. The most powerful examination is self-examination. Listen, I could have a sentiment about what's going on in your life. I can have a feeling about who you are. But the most powerful the most powerful examination is you being able to come to terms with yourself. Remember years ago when one of our young men wanted to get married and he's like, this is the real thing. This is her. I found her. I said, listen, I'm not going to argue with you anymore. I, I beg to differ with your opinion. I don't see it like you see it. You see it as genuine. I see it as they're going to swallow you whole. They're going to destroy your life. And in order to test the authenticity and genuineness of your relationship, go and ask her if she's going to submit to you. Oh, you didn't think I already asked her? I go, no, I'm sure you did, but just go ask her again. And then you're going to know reality. And when he when came back, they've already had their house purchased. They already said goodbye to their single friends. They're going to be together. And he went, he goes, honey. And she goes, yes. He says, are you going to submit to me when we get married? Because I really need to know that. And she goes, not on your life, buddy. My mom has never submitted to any man. I'm not going to submit to any man. And the first thing we're going to do as soon as we get married is leave your church. And so they ran to the bank to get the money out. And it was over. Because there wasn't authenticity. There wasn't genuineness. There wasn't reality. And so we need to have the capacity. Sometimes a pastor will help you with the issue. But now that you're not going to listen. Now that you think it's personal. 
ask God to allow you to examine yourself. Ask him. That old Disney movie, Mirror, Mirror on the Wall. Who the heck am I? Tell me who I am. Am I a real man of God? And you might think, well, that's a little bit, you know, Disney uh, witchcraft. I, no, the Bible says, look in the law of truth, which is like a mirror. When a man looks in it, he, I, I got to take you guys there. If not, you're going to be lost. You're going to say that pastor is talking about Disney, but let's go to the book of James, please. And it says that a man who wants to judge reality must look into the word of God, which is the mirror of his word, so that you not forget what you see. And tonight you're seeing what, you know, the realities of what God wants you. James 1, 22 He who be doers of the word and not just hearers because you will deceive yourself if you're just going by your hearing and not the doing. Verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who observes his reality, the natural face in a mirror. You're looking in the mirror. You're saying, God, am I real? Am I a servant of God? Am I a faithful son? Am I a world changer? And you look into that word, uh, the mirror, verse 24. It says, once he looks in the mirror, he observes himself. He goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was when he was sitting there listening to God's word. He forgets. And so as we look into the word of God and we're saying, what is a man of God? What is a faithful son? What is a servant? And, and, under, and receive it, not because you're doing it because of me or this church. This is your examination. This is your time to say like, like David in Psalm 66 verse 10. For you, God, have tested us and you have burned us. You've purified us like silver. Psalm 66 10. You, God, have tested us. You're refining us. Like silver is refined with fire. One of the most famous self-examinations, and we see that this works, is Luke 15, 17, when the prodigal son comes back to be having the ability to examine himself. When he came to himself saying, listen, as I put these things on the balance, I'm wrong. And I need to go back to my father's house, and I need to ask him to help me Verse 18, when he came to himself, he said, look at my father's house. I'm without food. Verse 18, I'm without provision. I will arise and go to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. This is, this is powerful fruit of self-examination. I'm going to go back. I'm going to get things right. I'm going to put things in order. Verse 19, who did this for this man? I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. I'm not walking in faithful obedience. I'm not walking... In, in, in honor. Make me one of your hired servants. Let me start at the beginning. The Bible says first you're a servant, then you're a son. Verse 20. And he rose and came to his father, but when he was still great, his father came running with compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven. In your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. This is the fruit of self-examination. 
to saying that I'm wrong. I don't need my mom to tell me. I don't need my dad to tell me. I don't need a pastor to tell me, the youth to tell me. I've, I've come before God, and he's laid upon my heart that I need to get right. I need to be where I need to be, getting molded for what's coming down the road. Galatians 6.4, Paul tells, let every man examine his own work. Let each one examine his own work. We're so protective. Nobody better tell me where listen to me. Forget about it. Look in the mirror. Judge for yourself. Because you're the one that's going to be missing out what God has for you. No one else. You're the one that's limiting where God can take you. Let every man examine his own work. And then he shall rejoice in himself alone and not because of another. And so, we'll see Philippians 1.9. He says, I pray that your love might grow. The more we love, the less hypocrisy there is. The more reality. And it allows you to perceive, he says, um, let's go to Philippians 1.9. This I pray that your love might grow and abound still more and more in authentic, genuine knowledge with all discernment. Being able to judge the spirits, judge what's going on. And then he says, so that you might dokimos. Verse 10. Grow in love so that you might dokimos the things that are excellent, that you might be sincere. Grow in love. Selfishness is the opposite of love. You cannot judge when you're walking in self-serving manner. That's where the devil starts flipping on you. Ephesians 5, 8, it says, You were once in darkness, but now you are a light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Verse 10, trying to approve, trying to examine what is acceptable, finding out, dokimos, what is acceptable to God. Find out if, if your life is pleasing to God, and that's how God will take you where he is leading you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, as Paul is judging the Corinthians, he tells them, you guys are out of order. Now, for a man of God to tell you you're out of order is a real heartbreak for our lives. When they examine us and find us wanting, that breaks our heart. So this happened there in 2 Corinthians 7. Paul writes the Corinthians a letter, and he tells them, you're out of order, and you guys are found wanting, and after examining you, you're out of good. And then he says, 2 Corinthians 7, 8, he says, even though my letter made you sad. You guys are in Chronicles, and I'm in Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8. Even if this letter I sent you made you sad, I don't regret it. I judged things and they were wrong, but I don't regret it. Though I did feel bad at the first, for I perceived that the same epistle, made, the letter made you sad, though only for a while. I judged wrong and made you sad for a while. This godly sorrow produces you to consider and repent. Verse 11. For observe this very thing. Notice what happened. The godly sorrow, it made you diligent. You were worried and concerned to do the right thing. It allowed you to want to clear yourself. 
You wanted to make things right. Look how indignant, unworthy it made you feel. What fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things, you dokimos yourself to be clear in this manner. Sometimes when somebody judges something wrong in your life, it allows you to prove that you're not wrong. It allows you to move in the right sentiment. When Hannah was told, quit getting drunk, she says, I'm not drunk as you suppose. I'm just broken in the presence of God. She says, he says, you're going to have your baby. You're ready for it now. You weren't defensive. You weren't protective. You didn't get bitter. You didn't get resentful. You're ready. So God allows injustice to come just to test your heart. To see if you're a real Christian. To see if you're a real servant. To see if you're a real son. And then when, when you're able to clear yourself, and then he says he, this in verse 12, therefore, therefore, though I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of anything that was being done wrong or for the sake of those that had suffered because of wrong. But look, what my letter ultimately shows you is that I care about you, that I'm concerned. He says that our care for you in the sight of God might be Notice to you. What's that mean? If somebody is concerned about your life and comes over and says, Brother, you know, I notice you're not coming to church that much. Well, who are you to judge? No, brother, I'm not judging that you're not coming to church. Listen, I care about you and I want to be with you at church. So we quit being defensive. This is not about that. We don't have that capacity to be able to produce what an examination produces. We're asking a lot tonight. We're asking for us to grow up. Self-examination is the steps that are taken by somebody who already has the capacity to concern and care about his condition and walk in the Lord. Are you sure? If you don't take care of yourself, you're not ready to take care of anybody else. And that's what Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 1. He says, don't be too scurrily to judge others. So that you don't get into this accusation scenario, verse 2. For according to the measure you judge with, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be back to you. And why don't you first check out, uh, do, why do you look at what's going on in somebody else's eyeball when you have a plank in your own? Or how can you say to that brother, let me remove the speck from your eye when there's a plank in your own? So self-examination is the first step in able to help somebody else not stumble not lose their way, not, not lose their vision. And so uh, as we move in this regard, tonight we're having the Lord's Supper, and, and this is it right here, right in front of us. The Lord's table where Paul writes, this is the opportunity that each one of us have in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. let each man examine himself and then participate of the bread and the cup. Is this real to you tonight? Is your Christian faith allow you to stand here and, and consider that you're standing before, verse 28, everyone ought to examine himself before they eat the bread and drink the cup. Let each man dokimos himself. Uh, sometimes we're concerned about who comes to the house of God to participate in the Lord's table because if they do not participate in a manner which is holy and worthy and pure, they drink judgment upon themselves. So we ask them uh, until they grow in being able to examine themselves for them to not participate. And tonight we're going to ask the musicians to come forward. 
the psalmist, and and we're gonna do what the Bible says. We're gonna we're gonna walk in the genuineness of who we are as Christians, as sons of God, as servants, and I hope that that you come to a conclusion that you're qualified and approved and dokimos in spirit, in grace, in excellence, approving those things which are best, walking in the excellence of who you are called to be, returning. Everyone who has ever uh, examined themselves came to a conclusion. This is what they, they didn't say, I'm approved. They say, I need to go back to God. Excuse me, I need to go back. I need to get plugged in again because if not, I'm going to lose my authenticity because he is the vine, I'm the branch. If I'm not connected, I die and produce nothing. I need to be a real part of the long-term capacity. Um, we, we all can have serious justifications and it's so much easier. You'll see that a lot of people will say, um, I haven't considered my heart and my life and my walk and my participation in many years. But man, she's a hypocrite. She's a liar. She's always late. She's always coming. She's always talking. He's always dumb. He's a, and you're an expert examining all things. But you're losing yourself. You're losing your authenticity and reality before God. And so the spirit of truth is here tonight. Um, as we prepare, we ask the ushers to come forward. And we will participate at the Lord's table. And be it that we have a day, a week, a month, a thousand years. We're pressing forward to all the more, regardless of the circumstances, the situation, the people in our life. I want to be real before God. I want Him to be real to me. I want to participate in a manner that is excellent and I think that that is when we're being the greatest blessing uh, here upon the earth. Uh, different realms. Proverbs 20 verse 6 says like this. Every man proclaims his own goodness. Everybody, they measure and they say, man, every church in Miami should have me. I, that's nauseous because it says in your measure every man proclaims that he's doing right but who can find authenticity dokimas father we thank you for your table tonight and we know that you gave your life holy and we know that the heavens the earth and